God bless your family. How you doing this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. How are you doing this morning? Come on, we're, we're supposed to be a joyful people. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I'm just so excited to be with you. It's the first time that I'm getting to meet probably 99.9% .9 of you, and you're getting to know me, but I want you to know we're family. How, how many know we're family? If you are part of the body of Christ, we are family, and, and, and I enjoy getting to go out and, and meet family because, uh, again, uh, I come from a large family. My, my father is one of 20, so when I say we got a large family, we got a, a large family. They're from Dominican Republic. They did not have cable. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, again, when you come into the Lord, how many know that salvation isn't the end-all, be-all? It's, it's the starting point of this journey, and you gain so much more through what Christ did on the cross. So I'm grateful for the salvation, for the grace and mercy that comes through the cross as, as we're entering into this Palm Sunday, and we're going to be celebrating that in our minds, our, our thinking and dwelling on that this week. But again, that, that's the starting point. One of the greatest things that I am so grateful for is also the family that you're grafted into. Uh, so this morning, if you didn't realize it or not, you are part of a multicultural family. Uh, so in me and Max Reyes know that you have not just a youth director or somebody that's coming from the state. You have a brother, cousin, nephew, grandson, whatever your age is, throw me in there. You have a Dominican and Puerto Rican family member. All right. And so you are multicultural. Now. Now, now, my prayer is that I just, at the end of our time together, I'm not that family member that you don't want to see at the family reunion. You know that we all got one of those. If you're sitting next to them, don't look at them right now. Don't look at them. I just pray that I'm not that family member. And at the end of our, our time together today, you can say, Max is all right. He could, he could come back. He could come back. But I, I, again, I, I pray that I could be myself with you this morning, that we can smile a little, laugh a little as we, as we receive his word, again, I believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have a God with a sense of humor. Uh, if Jesus spits on the ground and puts it on somebody's face to heal him, I got to believe that he was laughing while he was doing it. I'm just, I'm just saying there's no, there's no way. Uh, again, I, I'm just so grateful in this season to serve as the youth and discipleship director. And, and my role is simply uh, to come alongside our, our youth pastors and our our children's pastors, which you got some amazing ones and in, in, in Kim and, uh, and in Tim as, that lead your youth ministry and uh, Dania, which you almost had me butchering your name. Why is that J in there? I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to just continuing to build, to continue and to just partner with you guys as you uh, lead the young people and the children of this church again. And, and thank you, uh, Pastor Bob and Dina, just for uh, your impact in this generation and for opening up spaces like this for our children, not to just be in the, in, in the back receiving, but to be a part of the congregation and to lead us in worship. Uh, like Pastor Dina said, they are not the, the, the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. Uh, and we need to empower them to walk in their greatness, not tomorrow, not in the future, uh, but today. Uh, again, we're so grateful uh, for everything that you're doing. We are in, at the state office working with some amazing leadership in, in Bishop Ron and, and Rochelle Martin that also send you their greeting. 
Um, I come sadly by myself. I am not a family of one. I am a family of four. Uh, they're not here today with me because the same way that you guys are investing in your kids and your young people, they are at our home church receiving and being part of a local body as well. So that's why they're not here. But that is my beautiful wife, Rebecca. Um, she is my partner in ministry and life. Uh, we don't do this by ourselves. We do it as a, a partnership. So she is leading our, our girls' ministry. So we're excited to see everything that the Lord is, is going to place in her heart as she leads that. And then we have the princess slash queen of the house. Um, she is Elena Rose. She's five going on 15. So pray, pray for me. Uh, I don't pray for the day or the hour. The Bible says we'll never know that. So there's no point in praying, but I am praying for the years. So before she actually becomes 15 and a teenager, like some of y'all, I'm praying that the Lord comes. Um, <laughs> and Elena, when she arrived, she was the perfect baby. She slept from the moment she got home from the hospital. She was just, she was perfect. I said, why do parents complain about kids? This is easy. This is, come on, this is a piece of cake. And I spoke too soon because then Zoe arrived. And this is our two-year-old Zoe, and her name could not have been more perfect. It means life, and she is full of it, and she is also the reason why we are stopping at two. <laughs> um, but she has so much personality. Uh, if you ever go to, to camp meeting or any of our state events, you'll see her right at the front worshiping with all of, uh, all of her zazz. And, and, and she has really brought life uh, to our family after we went through a, a miscarriage. But that is uh, the first ministry that the Lord has given me to lead. And, and I'm just so uh, excited to see what God is going to do through my daughters, through their characters. Because, again, I believe that God is calling them for greatness and going to do some amazing things in their life. Um, well, I think we have a slide there with a lot of our, our youth events that are coming up. Uh, you can go on our website, ohiocog.com, and, and stay connected. Again, I know you have leadership that keeps you connected with everything that we're doing. We don't just do things to fill up a calendar. We do things to come again, to come alongside this generation, to see them walking out uh, their purpose. And we just want to create atmospheres that allow them to encounter the Holy Spirit, uh, to have a, an encounter with God, and that they can walk in the fullness of not who this world says they are, but who God says they are. So we have some amazing things. You're already ready for junior talent. It's probably recording, so I can't say too much, but I hope our other churches and kids are ready because they brought it this morning. Can you give it up for them? They did an, an, amazing, an amazing job. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited, excited to, to see that. Um, and then again, uh, Tim and Kim, they're going to be leading in one of our youth camps as well. So excited to have them as, as part of that. How many are ready to get into the word of God? I believe that the Lord has a word for us this morning, and I, I just pray uh, that, again, what, he, what he's given me can, can speak to you and remind you, whatever age you find yourself in, whatever season of life you are in, God has a purpose for you. And he's created you. He's called you. He's separated to do great things and walk in, in greatness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The, the message for us this morning is, is called Created for Greatness. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet for a moment. Um, I, I love how uh, I believe it was in the video. He said we have students 
being a part of every part of service, and I include myself in there. I am a young youth director. I am still a youth myself, so I, I'm one of those students that is part of this service. Um, but I am a little old school in some ways and believe that we give reverence to the word of the Lord. So if you can open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel 22, verse 36, possibly turn on your Bibles for most of you. And if you're doing that on anything other than an Apple product, then we'll do a special altar call for you at the end. <laughs> if you didn't know, you need uh, Jesus in the Apple to make it into heaven. He's just a redeemer. He redeemed the Apple. I'm, ju I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Pastor Bob, you'll probably just have to clean up my theology after this message. I might, might leave you a little bit of a mess, but it won't be too bad. It won't be too bad. But we read the name, the, the, the word in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You make your saving help my shield, and your help has made me great. Father, I, I thank you for your word. I, I thank you because you've allowed us another day that we can gather together as your people, as your family, to lift up and glorify such a great God. Not just a great God that is far and distant, a, a God that is great and it draws near to a people that he loves so much. And I pray, Lord, as we get ready to dive into the word, as I always ask you that you open up our ears to hear, that you open up our spiritual eyes to see, Father God, and that our hearts are ready to receive the living word that is your word. Don't just talk to our emotions. Don't just make us feel good this morning, Lord, but convict us, transform us by your word so that we can walk in the fullness of what you have for us and in the image in which we have been created. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You, you may be seated. Church, I, I believe that you and I have been created for greatness. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your age, regardless of what you have experienced or you may be experiences, the life that you have lived or the life that you are currently living, whether the equation adds up or not, the reality is that you have been created with a purpose. You have been created with a plan. You have been created for, for something great. Don't, don't believe me. Let, let's go to the word. Let's go to the, to the source that as believers, as, as followers of Christ, we know that we can find the truth and the answer to all of our problems. The, the, the source that has the answers to our, our questions and the way that I believe that God wants to speak to us the most in our life. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe that God can use people to speak into your life. He, he, can, he can speak through others. He can, he can speak through dreams and through, through visions. But the way that the Lord wants to communicate with his people the most is, is through his, his word. And we don't even have to go too far into his word, into this book of life to understand that you and I have been created for greatness. That, that the life that you and I have been created to live when aligned correctly it is a great one. The, the first book, the first chapter, the first verse begins with God speaking to us about his creation. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25, God shows us a picture of how he spoke everything into existence. He, he created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the sky from the ground and the water from the land. He, he spoke all of the vegetation and all kinds of animal into the land and into the sky and into the water. He spoke this entire world into existence and he said it was good he, he said it was good but do you know what the translation for the hebrew word good in english is it's good it's good. i'm sorry i don't know hebrew like that so i can't tell you what it really is a little bit of homework for you to go do but uh, uh pastor mentor of mine told me max if you just throw a little bit of hebrew in there it makes you sound a lot smarter than what you are so there you go But this is God saying that it's good. So if it's God saying that it's good to me, that translates like what I have just created is great. What I've just created is it's amazing. It's, it's out of this world, even though what he was creating was the world. He, he saw everything that he spoke into existence and he says it is good. Now, now we get to verse 26, and after looking at everything that he had creating and, and seeing that it was good, God says and he does something that makes this next step not just a good step, but something great. We see Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that are moving among the, along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. This day and age that we live in, you got to repeat that part. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In five days, God made an amazing earth, but on the sixth day, he created his greatest creation. And he didn't just create us, but he said, let us create man in, in our image. Let us create man in our likeness. And how many believe that we serve a great God? How many believe that we serve a God that is greater than anything that you've experienced, anything that you've gone through, anything that you can imagine? And his word tells us that you and I have been created in, in this great God's image, that we've been created in his image likeness that's it i believe we can shut the book now that's the message for today that's enough to preach and for us to go home understanding who we've been created in the image of and just like anything invented or created by man reflects the nature reflects the purpose and intention of its creator mankind has been designed to reflect the greatness of our creator I want to say that again. And just like anything created on this earth reflects the nature and purpose of the one that has created it, mankind, you and I have been designed to reflect the greatness of, of our creator, of, of our God. Amen. 
God has created this lesser creature, created us man in order to demonstrate his greater glory. He, he created Adam and he created mankind after, after him for greatness. You've been created for greatness. You, you haven't been saved simply to get a first class ticket into heaven. No, you have been created to make an impact in this world here and now. You, you may not be able to see it. You may think that you don't have anything to give. You may think because of the, the family that you've come from, because of the lack of resources. You may think, young people, because you struggle in school, and I can say an amen to that because I was one of those that struggled. You may think that because you may not be seen like the smartest person that, that you don't have much to give. Because of lack in our lives, there's no way that I can do anything great. That's how I felt growing up. That's how I felt, especially in, in school, because again, my, my, my mind just didn't work the way that I always wanted it to work. But the Lord works in mysterious ways to help us get through. So for me, in, in school, the way that he did it was that he gave me a younger brother that was in AP courses. <laughs> and thank God for him because he sat next to me and because of him, we both got through school. Amen. <laughs> so many times we think because of what we lack, we can't be called to do something great. But again, whenever I get into his word, the way that he wants to speak to us, I began to see that whenever God used somebody in the Bible or whenever God called somebody to do something great, he always called them to do something more than what they were able to do on their own. Something that they thought and they would a lot of times reply, God, how me? I can't, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. And many times he would call on people that today we would count out. And we wouldn't even look at for the task that we think would be too great for them. We see it in, in the life of, uh, of Moses, this man that God calls to, to be the voice of his people, to, 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 to bring them out of slavery and into freedom. And yet this is a man who stutters, can't, can't speak. And yet that's the voice that God calls to bring freedom to his people. This generation is not the generation of tomorrow, it's the generation of today, and we're able to see that through a young boy like, like Samuel. This kid that we would count out because of his age and say, no, he, he can't do many of the tasks that, that we would put on grown-ups today. But this was a young boy that didn't even know how to recognize the, the, the voice of God. And yet God spoke to him and called him and trusted him with this harsh news of, of telling his mentor that his kids were acting a fool. And he trusted him with this message and not only that but he trusted this young boy to be the one to be the successor this task that we would think today is is not fit for a boy but just simply fit for a man we see it in David and we, we love David we speak a lot about David but but David was the weakest of his seven brothers he was a, a shepherd that even his own father didn't think much of him because he didn't even get invited to the party. I'm saying, Dad, let me at least stand in line. I know you, I don't got to get picked, but let me at least 
in the room. His own father didn't think much of him to say, no, leave him out there. But yet, even though others didn't see him, God saw him. God knew the purpose that he had created him with and, and, and for. And yet, even though his dad didn't think much of him, David became a giant killer. He became a, a, a king's king, a man that we know is after God's own heart. And we could keep going on and on and mentioning people. Samuel was 11. David was 15 when he was called. Moses was 80. Abraham was about 75 or 100. It doesn't matter your age. If you are breathing, if you are living, God has a purpose for you. And he's able to do something in you. It's, it's not too late. doesn't matter when you join in and you're grafted into this journey Know that once you're called, once you receive that call and you walk in the image in which you have created, been created for, that's where your journey for greatness begins. Don't look at your surroundings. Don't look at what you bring to the table because God is not worried about how things look here. He's not looking, worried about your circumstances. He's not worried about your abilities. He's not worried about what you can bring to the table. He's not worried about your mess-ups and failures. We have to understand that God makes us meek. He makes us humble before he makes us great. And a great man or a great woman of God is one who has simply gone low before the Lord. One that is simply able to say, God, here I am with all that I have or with what I don't have. And I place it at your feet. I say, God, use it for your purpose. Use it for your glory. Use me for what I have been created for. We have to understand, church, that true greatness is when you achieve the reason for what you've been created for. And by reaching our greatness, by walking in our divine purpose and in the image of God, God's name is made greater in our lives. We have to understand that the greatness that has been deposited in us, the greatness that is in us only serves to make God greater. Psalms 8, the psalmist David gives us a great picture of how great God is by showing us how small we are. And he shows us how God is even greater by placing this greatness inside of this incredibly small man and entrusting them and entrusting us to be stewards to take care of uh, of this entire world it says in psalms 8 4 through 8 what is mankind that you are mindful of them human beings that you care for them you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor you made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet all the flocks and herds and the animals in the wilds, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim under the path of the sea, everything that was part of creation has been placed under our authority. But yet compared to this large world, we are but a spot, but a speck on the wall. But as tiny and as small as we are, we serve to magnify God's greatness. 
thing David says, God chose this, this weak speck of a man to rule over his magnificent work. That, that man has all creation under his feet. Who else but a great God can do something like that? And he does it because the greatness and majesty God has given us only serves to give greater glory and greater majesty to God. It, it yells out, look what a great God can do with something so small. And how amazing it is it that, that God looks at us and he entrusts us this way. And he does it because he understands and, and we have to understand that our greatness depends on his greatness. It doesn't depend on anything that we can offer. It doesn't depend on any of our abilities. Our greatness is not defined by how strong we are. Our greatness is not defined by a degree that is on our wall. It's not defined by our, 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 our smartness. It's not defined by the type of job we may have. No, no, no. It's not defined by the type of influence we have. Our greatness and purpose is found in simply embracing what God has created us to be and embracing who has created us. And we need to understand this church. We, we can't miss it because it is loud and clear to the enemy. Satan understands this clearly. He, he knows that your greatness is connected to your purpose. He knows that your greatness is connected to your image. That's why he is out there looking to attack and destroy the way that we look at greatness. He, he's out there looking to blur our perspective on greatness. The way that we, we look at things in this thing called greatness. He doesn't want you to know that God has created you with a great purpose, that God has created you with a great plan, and, he, and that he has given you glory and honor and dominion on this earth. So the enemy wants to redefine what greatness is and where greatness is truly found. See, we're, we're created for greatness. We're created to rule in the areas of influence that the Lord has granted us, that the Lord has, has given us. We, we have been created to be great and to make God's greatness known in those areas the Lord has placed us in. But the enemy, he, he wants to, to confuse us and, and change the way that we look at ourselves. Satan knows that if he can get us to look at ourselves through, through our own lenses, through our own perspective, if he can get us to look at ourselves through our, our own mirror, which is flawed and, and looks at the brokenness, looks at the mistakes, looks at those things that we feel disqualify us, then the view that we'll have of ourselves will be a distorted one. And we'll begin to think, no, there, there's no way that God can use me. There's no way that God can do anything with me. There's no way that God can do anything great. I don't know if you've ever held a mirror or been in front of a mirror for whatever reason. It, it breaks and you pick it up. It doesn't completely shatter. But you see the broken pieces. 
And when you begin to look, you can still see yourself. You can still see the image. If I look at it, I, I can still see myself there. But, but it becomes hard to, to see myself the way that I am because of all the broken pieces. And my eyes begin to focus on those things, even though my reflection is still there, even though my image is still there, I begin to look at all the cracks. I believe that's what the enemy tries to do. He, he, he allows us to, to, to still see and we see that, that God loves us. We see that God has given us salvation and that he, he, he's brought us and grafted us into a family. But, but he says, Listen, I, yeah, 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 you can, you can see that and you can believe all that, but are you seeing the cracks? Are you seeing your mistakes? Are you seeing what you did before you got to this place? And we begin to focus on that and, and the image that's still there becomes blurred. We begin to, to question, God, I can't use me. We begin to think, no, as, as a believer, I have to be humble. I can't, I can't say that I've been called for, for greatness. That, that's prideful. Pastor Max is prideful to, to, to speak that way. How, how can I say that I've been called to be great? Doesn't God tell me in Proverbs 3.34, God has no use for conceited people but shows favor to those who are humble? He says the same thing in, in James and in, in, P, in, in Peter. If he says this thing three times and he really got to mean it, we got to be humble, Max. I, I can't be talking prideful like that. To, to say that I am greater, that I'm created for greatness or God created me for greatness, it, it doesn't sound spiritually correct. If, I, if you walked into my room and I'm, walk, and I'm standing in the mirror and I'm like, Max, you're great. You're called to do something great. You just walk in on me, you're going to be like, no, Max, you're conceited. That's what you are. Doesn't, it doesn't sound humble. It doesn't, it doesn't sound right. We see an example of this in Mark 10, 35 through 45, when two of the apostles, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus come to him with a request. James and John, the son of Zebedee, they come to Jesus and they say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus says, OK, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they say to him, let one of us sit at your right hand and let the other one sit at the left when, when you get to glory. And it was as if James and John were saying, we are your greatest disciples. Now, you got to understand, when I read the Bible, I, I am Dominican and Puerto Rican. That is, we are, my dad's from Dominican Republic. My mom's from Puerto Rico, Caribbean, Hispanics. Uh, there's a lot of life in us. You see that, you know, you see it in my movement and stuff. And uh, one of the things that we do just in life in general, we just exaggerate things. Just any story, we just exaggerate it. So when I read the Bible, I believe that who we are isn't erased by the blood. It just comes under the blood. So, so our culture, I love culture. I love meeting new people from different places because it allows me to see how great my God is. And, and, and we see some differences in us that shouldn't divide us but should unite us as the body of Christ. So, so for me, again, my culture, who I am, isn't erased by the blood. It just comes under the blood. The blood comes first, and who we are comes underneath that. So since it's not erased, when I read the Bible, whatever I read about, or whoever I read about, it, they become Dominican and Puerto Rican just for that, that moment. 
So that story and stuff, it may just get a little bit exaggerated. So I can, I can just believe and imagine as I'm reading this and, and they're saying, listen, we want to sit at your left and at your right when you get to heaven is as if they were saying we were the best. We're, we're, the, we're the greatest ones right next to you. So we have to sit right next to you when, when we make it in, in, into, into heaven. And Jesus tells them, you know, you don't know what you're, you're asking for. You, can you drink of the cup that I'm going to be to drink and be baptized by the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Because he knew what was coming the week that we're walking into. In my own words, I feel like Jesus was saying, I, I am great. I'm the son of God. I, I am great. Do, do you know the greatness that you have in you? And these guys, again. We would call it conceited, but I think they knew who they were. They, he said, yeah, we can, we can drink it. We, we can do it. And Jesus doesn't say, no, no, you can't. He, he says, yes, you can, and yes, you will. But to sit on my right and to sit on my left, that's not for me to grant because those places are already taken. Now, when the other disciples, the other 10 heard about this, I can imagine they, it says that they got angry. They got upset. They walked into that room while these two disciples were saying, we're great. We're great. And no, they said, you're conceited. How can you be asking Jesus for something like this? Who, who do you think that, that you are? Can imagine them saying, how, how arrogant are you? How prideful are you, James and John? What, what, what's going on with you? And, and as they're arguing back and forth, I can imagine them, they're brothers now, they're doing life together. And as they're going back and forth, Jesus comes and he gives the 12 disciples an answer. But it wasn't one of rebuking James and John for wanting to be great. No, you don't find anywhere where Jesus rebukes James and John for what they were asking and for the greatness that they were wanting. But yet Jesus, however, does direct their thoughts in a different way. He re-educates them on how greatness is truly defined in the kingdom. And Mark 10, verse 41 through 45 says, and I love the way that it reads in the message version, when the other 10 heard of this conversation, they lost their temper with James and John. Jesus got them together to settle things down. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. And he said, when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their head. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the son of man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. God is not opposed to greatness. He, he's not uh, against it. He, he promised in Genesis 12 2 in his promise to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In 2 Samuel 7 9, God promises David, I have been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off the heads of your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatness, greatest spent on the earth. God is in, in favor of greatness. 
The problem that James and John had was that, that they, were, they were blinded by the way that this world sells greatness to us. It tells us that greatness is found in, in position. We look at greatness as if it's to have power, it's to, to have wealth, it's, it's to be known. Greatness by the, the job, the degree, the things that we're able to achieve. And, and Jesus tells his disciples it's not about power, it's not about power, titles, it's not about authority that you may have over people the way that you see it done on this earth. Jesus says, if you want to be great in, in my kingdom, then you have to be a servant. If you want to be first, then you have to be a slave. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. We have to understand, church, that in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, the definition of greatness is flipped upside down. God wants to give you authority. He wants to give you influence. He wants to, to stretch out your territory. But it's not just so you can have wealth and you can boast in it. No, it's so you can have greater service. It's so that you can have greater life-changing impact in the place that he has called you to serve. It's not simply so you can have power and authority and allow it to go to your head. No, if God has given you the ability to work, if he's given you a special skill, it's because there's somebody in that area of influence that needs to know about the God who put you there in the first place. He has greater purpose. It's not just so that we can provide for ourselves. It's not just so that we can do well for ourselves. No, it's so that this world can understand that there is a God that is bigger than us, a God that is greater than us. And if God is able to work through me, if he's able to do things through me, I am nobody special. He's able to do it in you. He's able to do it through you. He wants to change it. He wants us to understand I've called you to do something great. Tim, you can begin to come up. I've positioned you to do something great. And the enemy is going to try to shift the perspective on how you walk in that greatness. And he's going to try to do it in two ways. He's either going to give you this mindset of, yes, I've made it. And you begin without even realizing lording over people. And the Lord today says, not so with you. I want to do things in your life. I want to continue to prosper you, but it's so that others can see that I can do it in their life as well. So he wants to blur our vision of greatness. And today the Lord is not saying, no, I don't, don't, don't look at it as being a bad thing, as walking in greatness. No, but redirect that thing. I believe the other group that the Lord is wanting to speak to today so that you can understand that there is greatness and purpose in you is those that have arrived here today and the enemy in one way or another and it, a lot of times the enemy doesn't just show up and say hey I'm here he shows up through situations 
through battles, through storms that we have to face, comes back as as a, a reminder of your past so that you begin to look at yourself even though you know that God is for you. Even though you know that God said he will draw near to you when you are brokenhearted, even though you know and you've heard of his promises. You look in the mirror, you're looking at yourself through the broken pieces. And as you're trying to walk in the identity that God says that you have and that you have in him, the enemy says, yeah, but look at at the scars how's God going to use this how's God going to put this back together we begin to doubt what God has already created and declared from the beginning that you are fearfully and wonderfully made regardless what the enemy may say and do and use as a weapon which many times is words of discouragement No weapon formed against us will prosper. It doesn't say that it won't be formed. It doesn't say that you won't face attack from the enemy. But he promised us that it won't prosper. He tells us in this world you will be afflicted. Be easy. Because I've overcome. I came here gave my life and rose on that third day with all power in my hand to bring those those broken pieces back together so that you no longer are seen through that but you are now seen through the way that you were created in the first place in his image and in his likeness And if you serve a great God, as sons and daughters of this great God, everything that belongs to him belongs to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. And again, I don't know how you walked into this place. My prayer is that you leave this place understanding that you are great in the Lord. You have been called not simply to fill up this place, to take a seat and to fill a seat. No, we gather together so that as a body we can serve this great God and he can continue to reveal who he's called us to be, but so that we can then leave this place and become his hands and feet. Become the hand and feet of this great God who will work greatness through us. Not so we can boast. Not so we can say, look at who I am. But so that we can serve a world that is dying, a world that is broken, a world that does not hope and does not know where to find it. But we know where it is. So as we get ready to worship with this last song that just declares how great our God is, I pray that it's not just a song that we sing, but it's a declaration and a heart cry from our hearts. And that as we sing it, the altars are open. If you want us to pray with you, we'll we'll do it. If you want to do that from your seat, but don't allow yourself to leave here looking through the broken glass, through the broken mirror. 
Because that's the reason that God came and died for, to bring it back together. You don't have to hold that anymore. Don't allow the enemy to remind you of your past because God has given you a future, a future of victory. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, that as we celebrate, Lord, your triumphal entry this morning on this special Palm Sunday where even in that moment you came, Father God, in a position of of peace and of a servant ready to give himself. You didn't come on a high horse as this king, as a place of position, but you know you came in humble as a servant and peacefully walked into your week of getting ready to give your life where you would die for our sins, for the broken pieces, but you would also raise with all power in your hands so that we can also walk and live in that greatness and that power. Lord, allow us to leave this place, Father God, Lord, with a renewed mindset, with transformed hearts, And ready, Father God, Lord, to serve like never before. Ready to give like never before. To be the church like never before. Let us be, Father God, the reflection of the great God that we serve in Jesus' name. Amen.